0: To help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. As we get started today, I recognize engaging God's word for yourself can feel daunting. And while our featured song will give us fresh inspiration as to where to study, the episode guide will give you the interaction tools you need to dig in. So grab your episode 469 guide at michelleknizat.com. Forward slash four six nine download. And if you've already subscribed to my email list, this guide is already in your inbox, ready to help you discover and meditate on God's word in new ways. Now, when will you praise God? Will you praise Him when your breakthrough comes? Will you praise Him when your circumstances improve? Or will you praise him no matter what? And that's what Wren Collective sings about in their song, Hallelujah Anyway. I can't wait to dive into scripture inspired by this song, but first, let's listen. ago I was teaching through Job in a Sunday school class and God revealed something to me that will forever change the way I read the book of Job. And then this last month I read a Christian fiction historical novel featuring Job and it has peeled the onion layers back even more. And I'm going to share about both of those things in a minute, but first I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Don't get stuck in one way of interacting with God's word God will continue to teach you along the way. He may even correct your thinking as you learn more. Um, A dear friend of mine says this. He says, I reserve the right to know more today than I did yesterday. And what a wonderful way to look at things. I don't want you to get stuck in one particular way or one particular way of thinking. I want you to allow God's word to change the way you think. And if you're just getting started in your Bible journey, everything will be new. But as you continue in your Bible journey, there will continue to be new things to explore and ideas that God wants to construct or build on the foundation of Scripture that you've already laid in your heart. So stay curious. Don't stop learning. Don't stop interacting with God's Word. Don't say, I read that already. He wants to meet you in His Word. And don't forget to pray and ask the Lord to help you hear what he's saying to you. Um, Job 33, 14 says, For God speaks in one way, and in two, though man does not perceive it. Amen to that. You know how many times does the father smack his head and say, Michelle just doesn't get it. Let me try that again. So before we get to scripture... And I think you've already discerned that we are going to be sitting in Job uh, this week. I wanted to share with you a little of the story behind the song Hallelujah Anyway, because I do think it's relevant to our discussion today. So in an interview with new release today's Kevin Davis, lead singer Chris Llewellyn shared the story behind the song, Hallelujah Anyway. He said that it's a powerful song for finding joy and celebration amid difficult situations. It speaks to the space between faith and fears many of us find ourselves in. The song serves as a reminder to trust in God's character, even when circumstances seem uncertain. And he goes on to share that the personal inspiration for the song was the unexpected autism diagnosis of his son. And so they wrote the song as a source of strength for themselves and for their audience. And he says it serves as a pillar for us to lean on and a reminder that God can make beauty from our ashes. And then here's what I was getting at in the introduction of today's episode. He adds this idea. We hope this song encourages others never to cease praising and to keep faith that God can create beautiful things even in the darkest moments of our lives. Never stop praising, even in the darkest moments. And that is why I was drawn to Job. His is an entire book of suffering and wrestling and praising and repenting and, and, and and there are some pretty dark moments in job and it was a dark time for job and so it often make it makes it kind of hard to read sometimes so why did i choose job well when i think of singing hallelujah anyway I think of the time at the beginning of Job's story where we see him suffer great loss. And in verse 21 of chapter one, he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That sounds an awful lot like a hallelujah anyway to me. And then when he was further afflicted in his body, in verse 10 of chapter two, he says, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? Or then back down in, in chapter 13, verse 15, it says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. And so if you've never read Job before, this is a perfect opportunity for you, the perfect reason for you to try it. Uh, But even if you are familiar with the text, I encourage you to engage with it again. You know, it is a bit longer than, say, a letter from Paul in the New Testament. And so perhaps you could take the bite of listening to an audio version of the text over the course of a few days. Um, Bite stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise, B-I-T-E. These are the habits that I use regularly to interact with God's word. And listening to an audio version of scripture is an effective bite especially when you want to read a large chunk of Scripture. Another way to get through large chunks of Scripture, and and I do want you to get through the entire book of Job, because especially in this case, context definitely matters. Now, context, for those of you who've listened for a while, you know that context is my favorite bite, and it is the best way to keep from taking something out of context, uh, is to read it in context. And so uh, this will mean that you need to read all of Job. So, if you struggle to follow along with the audio version of the text, or you just want to read along with it, or in addition to listening to it, maybe as a, a way to uh, to incorporate repetition, my key, my friend Keith Ferrin, um suggests that you set a timer. And so, the, this bite of reading for a set period of time changed the way I read through the Bible. And so, when you pair setting a timer with the bite of read and keep on reading, you will be amazed at how much of the story that you can get through. And and so let me explain, uh, read and keep on reading a little bit. Now, many of us have been trained to be distracted while reading um, the Bible by an individual word or a phrase while we're reading. Um, there is a place for that kind of examination. Uh, but what we're after here with Job this week is kind of this big, let's get through the entire story, read and keep on reading. Don't stop and ask a bunch of questions. Don't do a word study. Don't try to apply anything to your life. Just read it. And try to take in the whole story, immerse yourself in the scene with Job. And that takes me to my final bite suggestion, which is to remember the characters described in the Bible were real. Job is not a metaphor. He was a real God follower with a real family and real friends, Real crummy friends, if you ask me. But still, they were real. Um, We're not reading characters in a story. Think more like people described in a biography or a documentary. Okay? So as you begin Job you realize that we are given a peek behind the curtain. And many of you know that I am writing my first fiction book and it's going to be an allegory to teach about the authority of scripture and what it looks like when we listen to all the voices except God's. And I've chosen to write my story in first person. And so my main character, her name is Joy, is telling the story herself. So as I'm writing, um, the reader can only know what Joy knows. And the reader only sees through Joy's lens. And so, uh, but this is not the case with Job. Job's story is told with a God's eye view and we meet Job in the first five verses and then God immediately brings the reader to his throne to see that Satan is going to get permission to afflict Job and Satan believes that Job only worships God because he is so blessed and so God seems to think otherwise and he allows Satan to bring tremendous loss upon Job and his wife and then ultimately great physical distress upon Job. And in the span of a few verses, and and actually in this case, sometimes things are told in the Bible in the span of a few verses that that really take a lot longer. But this this really appears to be a very short period of time. Job learns that all of his property, uh, meaning his wealth by way of livestock, has either been raided or destroyed. And then his children all died in a tragic natural disaster. And I think because it happens in a few verses and happens so fast and we know what caused it, we don't let it settle on us. Let me say I don't let it settle on me. Uh, Maybe also because I don't feel comfortable sitting in that kind of sorrow that uh, that Job is sitting in. But if I take the bite of remembering that Job was a real man and his wife was a real woman and their children's lives were really lost then the story shifts a little, doesn't it? You know, the Bible Project says Job is considered wisdom literature, and it aims to teach the reader about justice, suffering, and the role of God in the lives of humans. The author is intentionally trying to ruffle some feathers. This book is all about calling into question the reader's views of God and the world. And here's the aha that I had years ago when teaching Job in Sunday school. You know, Job wants to know why he's afflicted. Job's friends think they know why he's afflicted. We know why he's afflicted, but God's answer to Job's questions is not the answer to the question why. When when God answers Job's complaints, God gives Job more of himself. God doesn't give him a reason. He just gives him more of himself. You know, just listen in Job chapter 38 verses 1 through 7. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it, or what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? You see, Job was questioning God, and God questions, uh, God's questions back to Job. Remind Job that God is God, and He is not. You know, God's response is all about how big God is. And this is such a great reminder that it's not about me. The Bible is not about me. Uh, While I am a chosen member of the kingdom of God, the kingdom is not about me. And in Job's case, even his suffering was not about him. Um, but I read a book recently by Mesu Andrews this month. Uh, actually, this month actually called "Love Amid the Ashes," and I will read the book description to you. It says readers often think of Job sitting on the ash heap his life in shambles. But how did he get there? What was Job's life like before tragedy struck? What did he think as his world came crashing, crashing down around him? And what was life like after God restored his wealth, health, and family? Through painstaking research and a writer's creative mind, May Sue Andrews, Weaves an emotional and stirring account of this well known story, told through the eyes of the woman who loved him. Drawing together the account of Job with those of Esau's tribe and Jacob's daughter Dinah, love amid the ashes breathes life, romance, and passion into the classical biblical story of suffering and steadfast faith. Now, this book is fiction, and when I read biblical historical fiction, I am careful not to make the story the scripture. But what this book did for me was to put flesh, so to speak, on Job. And I'm sorry to be graphic, but to picture it falling off, too. And uh, when I mentioned the book to a friend, he shared some concerns about the concept of biblical fiction. You know, making a fictional story out of pieces uh, that are not fiction, as I mentioned earlier, um, seems a little like adding scripture to him, adding, adding to scripture to him. It's a good warning, and it's similar to the warning that I give you about Christian music that you listen to. Don't let it replace your scripture, and definitely don't let a fiction author's take on a setting or a story replace the specifics of scripture. But I like what Maisu Andrews says herself in the author's note at the end of the book. She says that some people have asked how I can write biblical fiction when God's word is truth. She goes on to give this illustration. She says, have you ever pulled your sweatpants out of the dryer and noticed the drawstring had slipped out of the waistband? Well, the tedious task of weaving that drawstring back into the waistband is a little like writing biblical fiction. The inerrant word of God, meaning it's without error, is like the waistband, fixed and unchanging. The elusive historical facts and flexible plot line are like the drawstring that a writer must weave through scripture to pull the story together. And she goes on to explain that some of her research and she goes on to talk about why she felt like she could make some of the character choices she did. And it actually made me respect her work even more. So through the course of reading this story... Job became more real to me. He's always been real, okay? Um, But through the creativity of this author, he's even more real to me. And that only served to enhance the reading of Job this time for me. And so Mesu Andrews suggested in her story that Job and his wife were generous people in the land of Uz. And there was a scene in the book where they cared for the poor and the widows. And and then, so when I read Job chapter 29, verses 1 through 13, this is Job talking about what life was like before. He says, and, and Job again took up his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me. When his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in my prime, when the friendship of God was upon my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me. And so you can sense that he he felt a closeness, a friendship, a kinship with God, a walking with God. He felt, he felt the light of God upon him. And then he goes on to say, when my children were all around me, when my steps were washed with butter and the rock poured out for me streams of oil, when I went out to the gate of the city, when I prepared my seat in the square, the young men saw me and withdrew. The aged rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The voice of the nobles was hushed and their tongue stuck to the roof of of their mouth. When the ear heard, it called, me blessed. And when the eye saw, it approved because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to help him. The blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Now, I know that you probably haven't read the novel yet that I just mentioned, but you can still, you can picture this scene. You can still hear the angst in Job's voice of a day gone by. And I've read these verses before, but now I see more clearly the man um, who is picturing his own experience. He was respected. People deferred to his wisdom. He offered real assistance to those in need. His efforts brought real blessing and joy to others. Now, we know by reading the beginning of Job that he was upright and and righteous. These are his words of experience living an upright and righteous life. He's not bragging. He's remembering. So I want to read a few more verses from this chapter, Job 29, verse 21 through 25. Men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After I spoke, they did not speak again, and my word dropped upon them. Mic my, my, my drop, you know, uh, they waited for me as for the rain and they opened their mouths as for the spring rain. I smiled on them when they had no confidence and the light of my face they did not cast down. I chose their way and sat as chief and I lived like a king among his troops, like one who comforts mourners. You know, Mesu carefully uh, crafted a story that reflected this man this man who dropped words of wisdom that silenced others, this man who smiled on those who did not have confidence and the light of his approval lightened their load, uh, brought joy to their heart, the man who sat as a chief, the man who now sat on a pile of ashes and his own rotting flesh. So yes, reading this novel helped me remember that Job was real and his Real crummy friends were real. And um, have you heard the, the saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Well, Job begs to differ. In in, cha- in chapter 19, verse 2, he says, how long, this is talking to his friends, how long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? You know, his friends were great at first when they sat in silence. <laughs> but when they started talking, oh my. And And that's what I want you to remember as you read Job for yourself. Some of what Job's friends say is true, and other parts were twisted to make their own case. So, in fact, Job rebukes, I mean, God rebukes Job's friends. He was angry with them because they didn't characterize him properly. In fact, God says this in, in, in verse 8 of chapter 42. says, Now, therefore, take seven bulls and seven ra- rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So think about that as you read Job. Think critically about what the friends are saying to Job because God is saying they mischaracterized him. So think about what ways that they did that as you're reading their um, discourses. This is another really good reason that you should never quote Job out of context. How many times have people pulled out a verse of Job to make a point Uh, But it could have been in a discourse from one of Job's friends that God himself rejects. So in the end... Uh, by the way, Job is like the men at the city gate, those ones who put their hands over their mouths in silence at Job's wisdom. Well, he does that in the end. Job 40 um, verse 3 says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand upon my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Now, one final thought before we wrap up, Um, I noticed a lot of light and darkness language in the Book of Job, and this is a theme that we discussed in episode 467 as well when we studied Genesis 1 and John 1, so my antenna was up about that. And so when I read a column written by Chris Llewellyn, the the Wren Collective lead singer, um, about darkness, my antenna was up again. And so I'm gonna go ahead and link to that article in the show notes, but he talks about darkness having a PR problem. Uh, even Elihu, uh, uh, one of Job's not one of Job's friends, but of the fourth guy that, in, that that's in the um, conversation, asks Job to offer wisdom as to what to say to God. He says um, in verse nineteen of chapter thirty-seven, "Teach us what we shall say to him. We cannot draw up our case because of darkness." And so, um, <laughs> you know, darkness kind of gets a bad rap. Chris says in his column, but he says, "Of all the things I've sung about darkness, I've never mentioned the treasures." Or riches found there, I mainly just prayed for it to go away. And he goes on to mention the positive things that darkness does on our behalf. It's a real interesting read, especially in light of our song and in light of Job's story. So, again, I'll link to that in the show notes. And you can find those at MichelleNizat.com forward slash 469. So, what's next? Well, read or listen to the book of Job or both. Uh, Try setting a timer and reading for a set period of time rather than a number of chapters or verses. Remember that Job and his friends were real men with real life experiences and emotions and and understanding. Don't forget that Job is part of wisdom literature and much of it's poetic in its writing style. And then finally, remember that God rebukes the friends at the end of the story because that may change how you uh, read it as you're reading along. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. It really does come to my inbox. I really do respond to you. Um, You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat. My public page on Facebook is Michelle michelleekneezat, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And then don't forget to grab that episode guide that I created for this episode, It's at michellekneesat.com forward slash 469 download. And, or it's in your inbox if you're a subscriber. So with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who've subscribed lately, like Anita from California, Patrick from Indiana, Rowena from the UK, Sandra from Texas, Zia from Ohio, Jane from New York, Chris from Texas, and Kara from Oklahoma. Welcome. And don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, you can do that today, either in your podcast player or by going to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next time, I will be featuring First Things First by Consumed by Fire to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to Michelleneedsat.com forward slash 469. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.